This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by my good friends over at The Rope Trainer. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. And as my good friend John Smoltz always says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Get yours today. And again, you can learn a whole lot more about it by just simply checking out theropetrainer.com. Or, of course, you can always learn more about it by listening to the show, as you'll hear from Kurt McNabb from Dirtbag Baseball Nation each and every week as he uh, discusses uh, his thoughts on just the game, of course, and then uh, how to em- improve through use of the rope trainer. So, again, special thanks to Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, of course, John Smoltz for their continued support of Youth Baseball Talk. And I want to thank those guys for their continued support of youth baseball as they try to help with this growing arm ep- epidemic. So, uh, thank you guys. We appreciate it here. And again, we encourage you to check it out always, theropetrainer.com. Um, interesting show last week. Uh, Probably the biggest one we've had in a long time. It really sparked debate. Um, the question of batting the lineup. Um, so we've talked a little bit about that. We've talked about um, numerous things when it comes to coaching at the youth level, right and wrong, and if, if there is a right and wrong. Um, I wanted to follow that up today. Um, you know, you guys hear me talk a little bit about uh, – I typically use my own kids as examples for things, and um, – Son number one, my oldest, who pitched this year in college, is home from college and is interning for uh, some of the startup companies that we have here, uh, one of them being Lineup Media Group. And uh, I asked him to come on the show today. I'm going to ask him some questions un, uh, unadvised, so he, he has not been uh, – <laughs> he's <laughs> laughing. I have not told him what I'm going to ask him because I want him to be honest um, because obviously talking about – batting the lineup and again great conversations for the for four and great conversations for against and i understand all of them and i don't know that there's a right answer i i like i said in one breath i say of course you bat the lineup they're 10 years old they're 12 years old they're 13 blah 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 and then i think well what are we teaching them are we just handing them things and then and then there's always the are they prepared to sit the bench when they start high school because in high school you play i mean there's there's a variety of reasons why there's probably not a right answer so um, what I thought I would do is get it, the people involved in it that it affects the most, and that's the kids. So I thought I would ask Tyler some questions uh, from what he can remember. Now, I, I, I am going to say that I'm also not naive. I know that his answers now are going to be – some of them may be different than what they would have been, say, seven years ago. Um, he's a mature young man now and has grown to be a, somebody you know I'm extremely proud of not because of his accomplishments, just who he is. So um, his opinions, um, because of his maturity level, may be different than they were seven years ago. So I'm going to ask him to try to remember, really. And then, obviously, he's entitled to his own opinion now, so I'd be curious where he sits now. All the while knowing that not every kid's the same as well. I'm just kind of interested as I you know, want to expand on last week's conversation. Before we do that, um, I want to remind everybody who we are. You can check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. The things we'll ask you to do at the website there is, number one, first and foremost, is subscribe to the show. It's absolutely free, um, and it takes hardly any time to do so. So, um, therefore, just subscribe, and, again, you'll get a notification every time it, it comes out. 
Uh, everybody's shopping on Amazon these days. We're going to ask you to do it through our website. It doesn't cost you anything extra. We get a very small referral. helps us keep the show on the air. You simply go to youthbaseballtalk.com. If you're on your computer, the Amazon banner is down to your right. If you're on your mobile device, you just scroll all the way down. Once you click the Amazon banner, you're done with us. You do your shopping. doesn't cost you anything. We get a very small referral. And, again, it just helps us keep the show on the air. So we do have lots of people doing that, and uh, we do appreciate it greatly. Know that as it, uh, it, 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 it does play a role in us being able to keep doing the show. So thank you so much. Um, the other thing that helps us, uh, if, you're, you know, if you're interested in helping us keep the show rolling, social media is a big way for us to reach people and to stay in tune with what people are doing. Find us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Baseball. Like our Twitter page. If you're a baseball person, we're going to follow you back. The big ask, though, is Facebook. Uh, go to Facebook in the search bar, type in Youth Baseball Talk. Click on our page, like our page, and then click invite your friends, anybody involved in the game of baseball. Please invite them to like our page as we try to grow the community and just really get the conversations rolling. So thank you for doing that. Youth Baseball Talk on Instagram as well. And, of course, you can find us as part of the group over at lineupmedia.fm where they take your entertainment time very seriously. Now home to Yo Radio. Uh, you're going to want to go to the iTunes store and you're going to want to down the app store. I'm sorry. You're going to want to download Yo Radio. Um, it's free. It's the newest internet radio sensation. Um, you know, great stations. They're going to have some diverse stuff going on. One of them is going to be a baseball station where you can get your baseball fix. I'm telling you, we're very proud to be a part of that and some of the other shows that will be on there as well. So make sure you check it out, Yo Radio. Download it today. Like I said, it's absolutely free. My producers, Brian Crock and Andrew Allen, thank you for all you do. And, again, remember the show is brought to you by our friends at theropetrainer.com. All right, as I do each and every week, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my contributors uh, that do the segments, um, we highlight them at the beginning of the show so that you can hear what they have going on. Uh, this week, we're going to highlight Kurt McNabb with uh, the Rope Report as he brings it to you each and every week, sponsored by the Rope Trainer. Uh, again, that's theropetrainer.com. And, of course, you can find Kirk at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Let's hear what Kirk has for us this week. Thanks, Jim. Welcome to this week's episode of the Rope Report, Dirtbags. As you know, I've been talking about building the culture personally and as a team and how building trust is a major contributor to the overall success of your culture. Well, this week I want to branch out to another contributor that is being open-minded. I always tell players, coaches, and parents to be open-minded. They have to be about trying different things in order to gain the knowledge and the emotions of whether you like that thing or you don't like that thing, or you like someone or you don't like someone. At least be open-minded enough to give it a try. Now, if you like it mentally and emotionally, Carry on doing it. And if you don't like it mentally and emotionally, stop. Don't let people force you into doing something that you don't like mentally and emotionally. You've got the knowledge, and it started with that because of you being open-minded to know whether you trust in someone or something to carry on or stop. So now that I've engaged you in thinking about being open-minded about all things from now on, I also need you to realize that there's also a time to listen to our players, coaches, and parents after they've been open-minded. Because the reality is this. Some players get along with some coaches and some don't. Some coaches get along with some players and don't. Or some don't. Some parents get along with their sons and daughters, coaches, and some don't. And some coaches get along with their players, parents, and some don't. And as parents... We don't always get along with our children and vice versa. So whether we are getting along or not 
isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing. There will always be times where getting along seems like it feels good, but we know we're doing something wrong, which ultimately is not good at all. And there's also times when it seems like we are not getting along, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing either. It could simply be because we're not getting our own way at that particular time, or quite often what happens is that we end up taking our frustration out on people we trust and love the most. And I'm sure we've all done this at some point in our life. Let's be realistic though. That's not really a good thing either because we haven't solved the real problem or issue. And that leads me into the last thing I'll talk about this week. Listen to this closely because we've all been through it. And this is what I want to talk about. I've asked you to be open-minded to gain the knowledge about something or someone. And now what I'm about to ask or say is just as important because more times than not, it isn't even considered valid between player and coach, player and parent, and between coach and parent. You have to stay open-minded as well when your player or child tells you they are not mentally or emotionally comfortable in doing what they're asked to do. I'll give you an example. I'm going to stick to pitching. As a guy that talks pitching all day, every day, the art of pitching is an actual skill that involves the mind, your body, and your emotions to be in fully confident and trusted state of mind in order to have any chance of being successful. I see coaches and parents force a player or your child into pitching when they have when they have tried and understand themselves that they are not able to do it. So what I'm saying is the player, your son, your daughter, your player has gone ahead and tried it and they understand that they're not mentally and emotionally capable of doing it. It seems like they're physically able to or not, but when you dig deeper and get down to the reality, it's more the mind and the emotions that they can't control and they don't know how to. All right, and most coaches don't understand it, so they can't help in that facet. So what I'm saying is, you simply can't force them to do it. Simple as that. I'm going to talk more about the keys to pitching success in next week's episode, so that you gain a better understanding of what's involved in order to be a better pitcher and coach and parent of pitchers. But in the meantime, think about that. And be a better coach, be a better parent. If your players have gone ahead and tried fully and committed fully, and they know, they know that it's not something that they like, we have to be able to respect that. And we have to be able to identify, do they mentally and emotionally not like it? And if they don't, you, you forcing them, man, catastrophic things happen. I see it every day. That's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm doing this conversation right now. All right? So please be aware of it. Think of it the next time it pops up. By all means, pass along a conversation to me, something that you've seen and you've been a part of. Let me help you in this process. All right? Until next week, I'm asking any of you that don't already have a rope trainer or like to use the towel drill instead of the rope trainer to be open-minded and at least giving it a try. This week's about being open-minded, so that's it. I'm going to talk about the rope. I'm going to talk about the towel as well before I wrap things up. 
least be open-minded enough to give the rope trainer a try. We've done the data to compare the two and has come back that the rope trainer wins every time in a variety of ways that ultimately help you become a better thrower and pitcher. Remember, we play baseball with a ball, not a towel. The rope trainer is a ball that you can add the ropes to to help increase resistance and it also creates better arm extension and follow through, which means you have to incorporate your entire body to do this motion. It's not just me and the data saying the rope trainer is better. John Smoltz himself says it's the best training tool he's ever seen and used. <laughs> and yeah, he's a, even a major league Hall of Fame pitcher. He was open-minded enough. Again, he was open-minded enough to try it and gain the knowledge that it actually does save your arm by warming up quicker and more efficiently, as well as helps create a better throwing motion. I think we would all agree that he wouldn't say this if it wasn't 100% true. Remember, that's John Smoltz and being, he had to be open-minded when he was introduced to it as well. So you can get your very own rope trainer by going to www.theropetrainer.com and be sure to enter the code DIRTBAG5 as always. That's DIRTBAG and the number 5 at the checkout so that we know you heard it here on the Rope Report. As always, I can't thank each and every one of you enough for continuing to listen to us every week here on Youth Baseball Talk. Please tell your teammates and players to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. And you can always contact me directly at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. That's info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com to talk more about the rope trainer and all things throwing related. I'm Kirk McNabb. And it's time to get up, get after it, and get dirty, you dirtbags. Great stuff as always. I expect nothing but um, from Kirk. And, again, he does. He does a tremendous job, so passionate. And, again, I say it all the time, the guys over at the rope couldn't have picked a better guy to represent their brand. So thank you very much for all you do for Youth Baseball Talk, Kirk McNabb. All right, let's get into some conversation today. And, again, let me welcome into the show um, – um, besides being my son, like I said, he's a tremendous young man. He's forged his own path. I'm very proud of him finishing his first year of college and, um, you know, uh, enduring the some of the things that all people do as it looks like his baseball career might be over <laughs> with a torn uh, UCL. I don't know. We just have a tear. We don't have a all the way torn. And I think uh, he's decided just to move on with his academic life and some of the things that college brings to you as he's decided I think to go into a world that's going to require a ton of his time so I think baseball is over for him um, fortunately or unfortunately as like I said the getting to college and having that avenue um, and, and I say all the time you don't have to know what you want to be when you go to college um, finding the opportunity to get there is what it's all about whether that be through academic sports sheer love passion whatever it is um, but when you get there and you find out who you want to be and what you want to do with your life, that's really what it is. Sometimes sports allow people the avenue to get there. It did so for Tyler. So let me welcome in number one son, Tyler Lewis. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you a little nervous? Uh, not really. Yeah. It's just baseball. It's just baseball. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about baseball and its effect on you throughout your life as far back as you can remember. Um, I've been talking a little bit on the show lately about some of the things that we as coaches and parents – um, both do the situations we put you guys in as kids, why we do it. Um, 
I'm curious how it affected you in different ways and how you felt about it at the time and then when revelations happened for you and things like that. So I want to go back to when you first started ba- playing baseball. Um, you know, let's start from the very beginning. Do you remember when you first started playing? Like, um, can you vividly remember, like, your first time going out and playing baseball? I can remember some parts of coach pitch and then machine pitch on. I have every recollection possible. Did you did you like it from the beginning? or was I it? loved it from the beginning. Baseball has always been my passion, I would say. Um, but I – you, I mean, when you say your passion, I mean, you played other sports. So you would you say that that was more important to you than someone – like you played football, you played basketball, and you did all that kind of yeah, stuff. But you I were just, a bigger kid. You know, you were taller. You were always taller. I just – I never really loved those sports like I loved baseball. It was never the same mentality of competitiveness. Those other sports I played just to have fun and just to be doing something, whereas baseball I always competed. I always wanted to play. I always wanted to be better than everybody else. That was my – main goal even from when I was younger that's what I wanted to do which is part of the reasons I was so willing even from a young age to do outside training outside of practice whether it be hitting in the backyard going to lessons going going to the field taking ground balls whatever you want to whatever you can think of that's what I wanted to do um you had an interesting youth career you I would call it you had a roller coaster youth life right I did I Um, did it was interesting. You were an interesting kid. You were one of the kids we talk about on the show. You were big. You weren't in your body, and you struggled early, and then you did really, really well. Then you struggled. Then you did well, and then you found your niche as a pitcher. Yeah. Um, you know, when you were younger, okay, and you remember 9U baseball, it was tough. It was yeah. tough for you. Yeah, it was. It was really tough for you. Do you remember what that was like for you? Um, like, can you remember how you felt struggling? I remember how I felt, and it never turned into me not wanting to play baseball. It was more me saying, okay, I need to figure out how to fix this. I need to do something else. Something needs to change because I'm not enjoying how I'm doing now. Right. So where I'm going with today's conversation really is how I – mean, I, I mean, let's face it. When you were nine, you didn't play a core position – which I think everybody, if if you don't know what we're talking about when we say core positions, you weren't an infielder and you weren't the center fielder. You were a kid that rotated in and out of left or right field. Right. You never pitched. Um, you batted in the bottom of the lineup. So right. you were in and out of games. And that did that bother you? Or no, I mean, I just love being out there. I I was also different in that I always wanted to compete, and I felt that batting everybody meant that there was a less of a chance of us winning because our better hitters couldn't hit as much. Your first experience with that, I think, was at State, where you guys – I wasn't there, if I remember, and your coach decided to bat the lineup and you weren't in it. Did that bother you? Probably at the time, but looking back on it, it doesn't at all now. Did it make you want to quit? No, I never wanted to quit. Did it make you want to get better? or yes. did or I mean, did you feel Completely. like you were it wrong? Me, it, I didn't, never felt wrong. It made me want to compete more. But okay, but let's say this, and I won't ask you to name any names, but you had some friends on the team, I'd say, that had a different view. Would oh, you agree yes. with that? Yes. M- most of the kids, especially at the younger ages, viewed it as I should be playing at least every other game, if not in the lineup every single day. 
Um, now, and you had kids that would leave the team over the years because things right. didn't go so well. Um, and they, some of them were your friends. Yeah. I mean, did they ever talk about it as they got older, what their thought process was on that? Um, some would say things like, oh, the coach screwed me over or the coach did this or the coach did that. And, I mean, my initial thoughts would always be, no, that was, I mean, it was really you, if we're going to be honest with each other. I mean, I never said that, obviously, but. Probably easier now than then. I yeah, mean, okay. completely. Um, so I would say, and I think you would agree, you know, from the time you were eight till the time you were 14, which is what we call selector travel ball, right? Yeah. I would say you probably played in, was in the lineup in 95% of the games. Yeah. Okay. If it would have been different, do you think it like, because think about like, I mean, what, and again, we always talk about you as adults now because you were either awful for a year, right. God love you, or you were like one of the best hitters. I mean, it yeah. was just really, it was almost like when your body would allow you to be inside of it, but when you were growing, like I remember everybody distinctly remembers you on the bench when you couldn't even walk because your knees hurt so bad yeah, and I, you had grown like two inches, like in a month and a half. Yeah, and, and that's the hardest you know, age. I you mean, know, so I, I, my point was, is that, you know, and I, you've never made any excuses of why you had rough, a rough year or a rough patch. That wasn't my point. My point was, um, if you would have been in a situation where they didn't keep playing you in m the majority of the games, do you think it would have discouraged you? Somewhat. Yes. If I continually year after year stopped playing, I mean, didn't play, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to play for a travel team. I would probably just play for a team that wanted to just have fun and play in that kind of environment because they are two completely different environments. So as you, you know, so thinking about, thinking along those lines, you played 95%, you played select travel ball. How would you say the experience of travel ball and the way it was ran, where you worked hard in the off season, you know, um, there was some accountability because, you know, you weren't handed a position. That was a fact, right? Um, the better pitchers pitched more. Right. The, the lineup was done by who the better hitters were. So while you played a lot, if you weren't doing like, I mean, I remember you batting second a whole year and you were one of the biggest kids on the team. I, and I remember a year where you batted last the whole year. Right. So my point is, it was done pretty close to, I would say, the right way, um, depending on what you call the right way. I would say my right way. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you would have loved to have played shortstop, but you didn't. Oh, yeah. I'd, okay. I, and I agreed with that because I knew I wouldn't have been the best shortstop. Well, so you'll see where we're going with this. So what I would say to you is, so when you got to high school, where really is when it really gets going because there's only nine players, how do you feel like it prepared you for that? I felt like it had completely prepared me for it because that is the environment you're going into the older you get within those travel ball teams the more selective it becomes the better the players become on each of your individual teams and so when you get to high school you already have that mindset of okay if I'm not better than this guy I have to become better than this guy so that I can play otherwise I will not play well your high school um you know in, in Edwardsville the way it's done here is is they keep enough kids at the freshman level to basically have two teams and right. it's an a and a b team it right. truly is to some degree it is. um we, i mean we call it internally we call it an a and b team right as kids so you kind of find out where you sit day one because every year you guys play a double header against a really good team and right. when you roll out the first team that plays is the a and the second team is the b well you when you were a freshman we came and you didn't play the first game right you played the second game 
you weren't the only one. There was another kid, a good friend of yours, who now is playing major college basketball and probably <laughs> could have got drafted in baseball, was also on the B team. Oh, yeah. So there was, you know, now we have that here in our town. Typically every year there's a lot of good players that could that roll through here. So it's a little bit different than, than some of the smaller schools. That being said, do you remember what that was like being on that bench? Maybe not even for you personally. Okay, let's start with you personally. Do you remember what went through your mind when you saw the lineup and you weren't in the first game? When I saw that I wasn't in the lineup, I mean, I won't even lie, I was a little discouraged. I was a little bummed out about it. But then as the game went on, I mean, I didn't want to be that guy in the dugout. I mean, everybody knows that guy that's negative towards his teammates because he's not playing. He hates that he's not playing, so he takes it out on everybody else. And I refuse to be that guy no matter what environment I'm in. So I tried to keep as positive as I could be, but also in the back of my mind knowing that I have to work harder so I can play over you and take your spot. Yeah, I think one of the conversations we had was, and I remember the look on your face is when I told you when it was going on, that I said to you, I said, you know, all these guys are your best friends and you're competing with them now for playing time. And it, right. it's a tough thing. It really is. Um, now, interestingly enough, um, you wound up doing really well yeah. on, in, on the B team to where, you know, and, and this is what happens in baseball. It takes care of itself usually. A good friend of yours actually struggled. Yeah. And, um, and you got an opportunity to start some games and hit the crap out of the ball and played really well at first base, and you stayed on the A-team the rest of the year. And you did really, really well. Um, it was probably the best year you've ever had, really, overall, I would say. Oh, yeah, um, and then, um And then your sophomore year, things didn't go like you thought they would yeah. offensively or defensively, and you started throwing more, and you grew into a pitcher's body. What was that like for you going from a kid that played defense and hit to – you know, eventually it wound up you became what we call a PO. I mean, yeah. it was I mean, it's a different I'd say it's a different mindset change because on the one hand you have to be ready to compete every day and then on the other you typically will know when you're going to get into a game at least at Edwardsville you knew when you were going to pitch most of the time and you just have to realize that okay, I'm not playing every day, but I have but my role can now become like I said earlier supporting my team so that they don't get too down on themselves. They can perform to the best of their ability so that we can win. So um, basically you wind up playing on a team that I'm not going to say you overachieved, but I don't know that anybody had you guys as seniors pegged. And we had a chip on our shoulder because of that. Yeah, you know, you guys wind up in the in the biggest class in Illinois right. playing some of the top teams out of Chicago, which everybody knows – you know, those are private schools and they can recruit and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And nobody was pl crying poor down here. We have a nice situation at our <laughs> school, even though <laughs> it's not, so. even though you don't recruit here, it's, it's, it's a large community. So no, you know, no issue there, but you guys beat some really good teams along the way. Kids that were getting drafted, throwing mm -hmm. 90 something plus, and you guys were finding a way to win. Your role on that team was as a depth pitcher. I mean, yeah. it was because you guys were, you guys had some kids that just, you know, and I, my question for you is this. You knew that if you were at another school, you would have played a much bigger role. Did that bother you? No, because I knew I was playing with the best guys in our area. Yeah. In my opinion, we had the one of the best teams in our area. So you wind up, even though you don't throw a ton of innings as a senior, um, in the summer playing for the high school, you had played in some tournaments and some coaches had noticed you, and you wind up at Illinois College and pitch for a year. So now let's fast forward to college. 
um, I, you know, hearing you say, yeah, you know, we got to be at the gym at 530 in the morning, but, you know, we work out. Or, yeah. I mean, what was the major change to college? I would, besides, really the only major change was getting up at 515 in the morning. It, Edwardsville prepared me to the point where there really was no change. I mean, it's not like at Edwardsville, everybody played all yeah. the time. It, and that's what college is like. I mean, Edwardsville is basically a JUCO, if we're being honest. And they completely prepared me for the competitiveness, competitiveness of college and also um, realizing that you are not going to be one of the biggest roles on the team. And you have to – or not everybody's going to be the biggest role on the team. And they have to realize that and set into that mode, but while also competing to the best of their ability. Looking back on your youth career, is there anything you would have changed or anything you would do differently or anything you wish would have went differently? I mean, I wish I wouldn't have been so up and down, but other than that, I think I had a great time competing. I loved baseball. I, just because I was in a competitive environment at all times didn't mean that I didn't have fun at every game I went to. I mean, there were some games where I didn't want to be there just because it was one of those days. And, I mean, everybody has one of those days. That's okay. And You mean when you were 10, sometimes you wanted to be 10? and Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes it was like that. And sometimes I wanted to be out there every single game. Or I did want to be out there every single game. Sometimes I wanted to bat and for everybody. And it's just being young and having fun and wanting to play. Um, what do you remember the most about it? My friends on the team. Yeah. Have, making memories with them, having fun with them, being a part of a team setting. I mean, it, it's not so much baseball. I mean, there's only so much you can really remember from baseball. I've told people on the show numerous times that you and I have talked about it, and you really don't remember a lot of the wins and losses. Right. I mean, that's, I, not, that's not what you remember when you get older. That's not what kids, I think, should be so focused on on wins and losses. I, I say that, and it contradicts what I was saying earlier. I'm just a really competitive person. That's who I am. And so – but even with that said – all I remember is my friends. I don't remember – I can't tell you our record. I can't tell you how bad we lost one game, how bad we kicked another team's butt another game. That's not what I remember. I don't remember any What's of that. What's your favorite memory? Cooperstown, by yeah, far. I think Just we talked about that on the show before. By far. I mean, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Was it being with your best friends for a week straight, staying with them, yeah. no parents around? Yeah, and playing in that environment of a stadium when you're – what What were we, 12? 12, mm-hmm. That's – I mean – you can't even compare that. I don't care where you go. Yeah. Interesting. Um, as a kid that played in a tough environment, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk to a whole bunch of parents and coaches right now and give them some advice from a kid that's been through it and has played in college and is now done. Um, some advice for every coach and every parent out there and every kid that's listening. What advice would you give them um, how to handle this thing properly? Have fun. Have fun and realize that you have to compete. Do not feel forced to do anything and do not force kids to do anything. If they aren't having fun with it, then maybe it's not for them at that time. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, it, it, let me ask you a last thing before we go. So my question to you is this, and let's find out how wise you are among <laughs> beyond your years. How the heck do you have fun and compete at the same time? Because it seems like it's hard to do for some. I'd say it is really hard to do for some because they don't associate the two. They think you have to become serious and almost to the point where you're mad 
to compete. And that is just not, you have to realize the fine line between having fun and screwing around. Because I mean, there is a big difference between that. And everybody can see that when you're playing is if you're just out there screwing around and you don't really care, or if you're having fun, but you're out there to win. Everybody can distinguish those two players because they are very distinct. Yeah. um, You know, listen, I, you know, I got into this thing when you were young and and we did it. And I'd say on the show all the time, we made a lot of mistakes with you guys that I wish I could go back and fix, you know, some of the pitching things that we did and overthrowing kids and playing by tournament rules instead of playing by our own rules, which we thought was right. But, you know, on the whole, I look back on it and, you know, um, my funnest memories are riding in the car with you two and from yeah, games. I mean, I that's mean, where it is. You know, getting dinner afterwards with the group, getting yeah. pizza, sitting around. And, you and, know. That, and that's the part you have to enjoy when you're traveling or even if you're not traveling, even when you're just at a local team and you're playing in your local park. I mean, it is not the – you might enjoy the wins and be sad about the losses, but that's not what you remember. Yeah, you know – it's a tough thing, man, because like I said, I you've got all types out there, right? You've got um, you've got people out there that think it's it's hardcore, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you know the the bottom line is, you know, do you really believe in? I guess what I'll ask you before we, the last question is, we talk a lot about the life lessons through baseball. Would would you say that's accurate? There are tons of life lessons in the game of baseball that prepare you for the other things. It completely, it completely does. I mean, especially in my case, I am prepared for any ups and downs I go through just because of how my various seasons went. Um, I've been prepared for hard work. I've been prepared for a bunch of things, to just to name those. Yeah, it's a tough thing. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, a, a kid that played as competitively as you did, played in high school on a just an ultra, massively competitive team. Um, I mean that was that, that that did well. I hate to use the word overachieve because I mean we all knew you guys were good players, but let's face it, we we went that far because we were all competitors. Everybody yeah. was, you know. Um, I mean, yeah. Every time you every round you guys went, everybody's like, well, this is where it ends. This is where it ends, yeah, and you I just mean, kept winning, and kept winning. Um, it's interesting. The first thing you say is to have fun, you know. And I think, and what's interesting is, is I I, I mean. I would say you would say you had fun. Yeah. You know, and we were in a pretty competitive environment, you know, things and things didn't always go well for you. So interesting. That, uh, that's interesting that that's your number one thing. But, you know, and I thank you for doing this. And again, I'll miss watching you play. And, <laughs> you know, I, I told you, you know, you pick up a set of golf clubs and grab buy a softball <laughs> bat and get after it. You know, the, the, the softball world needs uh, big first basements that can hit. Oh, yeah. So you can get you can start swinging a bat again. What do you think of that? In softball, you can swing it as hard as you want. How about that? Oh, that'll be nice. Um, but no, I appreciate you doing this, um, especially like this on the spur of the moment, because it just came to me that this is when I saw you sitting at the thing when I walked in today. I thought this is perfect opportunity to do this. So thank you, I appreciate it. Um, so for our listeners out there, I hope um, I hope you got a little bit out of that. You know, because where I was going with this is, you know, you talk about all the things that we did this week about you know to bat nine to bat the lineup to do this to do this and it's a whole bunch of parents and coaches and that throwing their opinions at you going this is why you do this and this is why you do that and this is why you do this remember that your decisions affect a bunch of kids whether they be seven eight nine fourteen thirteen whatever they are 
You know, I've gone back and forth on this topic. I can't sit here and tell you that I'm hard and firm on one thing because I guess I would have to say it would depend on your situation. Um, you know, there was a part of me that always said, of course you bat the lineup. Of course they all take turns playing. They're, you know, the day is coming where they won't get to do that, so why would we do it to them now? But then, like I said, then you think, are we preparing them for that day? You know, I, I think about, I, I'll never forget the day that, you know, Tyler was, you know, our, you know, we have two kids that played high school baseball. The other one's right in the middle of it. Tyler was our first go around with it. And I remember showing up to the game and I'll never forget the looks on some parents' faces and some of the kids in the dugout that weren't playing in that first game. And I can tell you, they were totally unprepared for it. And some of these people wanted to lose their mind. And some of these kids you could tell were distraught and it's like, man, and and then I was more prepared for it when my younger son um, went through it because I'd been through it. Um, and it was a complete opposite. He played, started in the first game. It was completely different, you know. Um, and I watched him, unlike Tyler, go through the different thing. I, I watched him be a core player, and I watched him struggle a little bit, and they just keep putting him out there because he was a core player. You know, whereas when your kid's not a core player, you're sitting there going – Man, this kid's struggling. When's my kid going to get a chance? When's my kid going to get a chance? And that other kid just keeps struggling, and they just keep putting him out there and playing him out there. And then that kid winds up doing well, and you see why he was a core player, which I would say the same thing about my younger. Same thing, right? Like even though he struggles at times, he's that player. So it's an interesting dynamic, you know? And that's one of the biggest parts is you have to realize what environment you're in, what where you're playing and how you're playing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't compete in every environment, but – um, a player who plays in his community park versus a travel ball team are two completely different players. Fundam- I mean, their mindsets are where you're a travel ball player, you're, you want to win. You want to win every single game. But whereas I feel like a player who plays in their community park is more so there to have fun, there to play the game. And both are equally important. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's a, it's an interesting, but I appreciate you doing it, man. Thank you for doing this, and I uh, hope our listeners enjoyed it. Again, um, if you have any questions or want to kind of expand on anything we talked about today, make sure you contact us through any of our social media sites, and we're happy to have those conversations. Um, let's move on now to one of our uh, key contributors. Of course, uh, you guys know that uh, we love Justin Stone around here and Travis Kerber from Elite Baseball. Let's hear what they have for us this week on their EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Take it away, guys. Jim Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv, and today we have a base running 101, specifically home to first. And although this seems very elementary, you'd be surprised at how rarely I see somebody run from home to first correctly. And here's what I mean by this. So oftentimes when a hitter hits a ball to the outfield and we make our turn around first base, the assumption is that I have a, a routine ball to the outfield, they're going to pick it up, they're going to throw it into second base. So we see youth players do what we often see in the major leagues is the players just jogging around first base. And here's what I say in defense of our hustle always attitude. I might have three at bats during the course of the game. If I am running to first base during these three at bats, I'm running 60 feet at the youth level. That's 180 feet total. So in the course of a two hour game or an hour and a half game, I'm only asking a player to sprint for 180 feet over a two-hour period. I always ask them, are you capable of doing that? And of course, they all answer yes. So why is it that we see players that are just jogging, not going full speed, or assuming a single? So what I have to get the players to understand, and here's where the conversation comes in with your child, whether baseball or softball, before your next game. 
is when we sprint out of the box and we are always assuming that we're trying to get a double on any ball that goes to the outfield. And here's what it forces the outfielders and the defense to do. First of all, when I'm sprinting around the base and I make the outfielder stop me, they see me sprinting harder. That means they end up speeding up themselves to go to the ball harder. And right there, that pressure put on the defensive player makes it more likely they are going to fumble a ball. When they do so, because I'm already in a sprinting manner, oftentimes all I'm doing is taking one slow down step before I recognize that they're, they're missing the ball and now I'm on my way to second base. It's a very easy way to pick up an extra base when a, a player just barely fumbles or mishandles the ball at all. Next, when they see me running at full speed and we are forcing that outfielder to stop us, they have to make a strong throw into the bag to stop me into the cutoff man. If that ball is lobbed in, I just continue on my high horse around first base, recognizing arch underneath the throw, and I never slow down and I take the next base. We are making the outfielder make a strong throw to stop us. We know when we put pressure on an outfielder, and oftentimes they aren't expecting a runner to round first base this hard because they don't see it very often. Now they are surprised, they get in panic mode, there's anxiety, they make a bad throw into the infield. Finally, that throw has to be accurate. So if I'm running hard around the bag, I also recognize that if this ball is offline or mishandled by the cutoff man or the middle infielder, then I can continue to take that next base. So what you're seeing here in our hustle always attitude is that only good things are gonna happen for a base runner when we take an aggressive approach away from home plate, around first base, and we're always trying to take the next base. Our goal is every time a ball is hit to the outfield, I am taking the next base until that outfielder in defense stops me. By doing so in this manner, we've talked about three ways that we can potentially take an extra base just by hustling hard. So, seems elementary, but have that conversation with your son or your daughter before their next game and watch. It'll just take a game or two, they'll take an extra base because of it. Until next time, this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff as always from our friends, and again, I've said it once, um, you know, Tyler had the opportunity to work with Justin and Travis both. Mm -hmm. You want to give your quick assessment of Travis and Justin? You won't find anybody better. You really won't. I mean, they, their care for the game is phenomenal. One of the things I say on here to our listeners is um, they, they teach it in a way that it, it can be understood even by kids. And I always said for you, like some of the best times you had is when you were doing it yourself. I wasn't even doing it with you. You were the one on EliteBaseball.tv watching videos right. and listening to them and doing all that. Would that be an accurate statement? Completely. It has to be uh, – parents need to realize that they only can go so far. They're, what they want their children to do can only do so much. The, the players have to take it into their own hands. That's the only way you can really make an impactful difference. Yeah, and they, they are. They're tremendous. And, again, they, I, I agree with you 100%. And, again, uh, you, can't, you can't go wrong. EliteBaseball.tv, it'll be the, one of the best – tools that you get uh, to help you with whether it be coaching parenting or playing so again thanks to those guys uh let's now go to dirk dombrowski who's with uh, precisionimpact.ca we want to remind you that they're a, a streamlined organization and uh automated business they outsource all of their warehousing and shipping to help keep their costs down uh, they focus on just a few of the top products uh, they can dedicate more time and design in support of those products uh, they like the constructive criticism so get back with them they do offer volume discounts Schools, colleges, or if you're going to stock a new facility, give them a, give them a contact because, like I said, uh, you might be able to save some money if you're going to buy some in bulk. 
Don't forget, in uh, 2018, they've developed a coaches forum through Facebook and YouTube channels. Make sure you check out precisionimpact.ca. And again, you can receive an additional 10% at checkout by typing in Youth Baseball Talk in the coupon code area. Um, we hope you guys take advantage of that 10%. You know, the sandballs that everybody's using these days, they've got those. they tremendous quality. And again, um, you know, we used them uh, when when these guys were kids, and it gives them that feel. You remember hitting those, Tyler, when the, they, that, those heavier sandballs would hit the bat, and you'd have yeah. to drive through it, and then you didn't have to chase it, and you could do it on the side. They were tremendous. Um, again, uh, I think you guys are going to find that they're uh, tremendous for use here. So, uh, you know, just one of the few items that they definitely focus on and do a great job with. Let's hear now from Dirk, and again, we want to thank everybody at precisionimpact.ca. Hi everyone, welcome to Precision Impact and on today's Impact Rundown we're going to talk about early season soreness which uh, occurs frequently with players who might not have been a part of a winter program and who are ramping things up pretty aggressively at the beginning of the season. Now this is something that happens quite frequently with players and that don't necessarily do the little things after practice or aren't doing the exceptional little things that were required of them if they weren't part of a winter program. Even for athletes that did take part in a winter program, it's important that you continue to build and continue to perform and get better by understanding proper recovery, by training in season and not just thinking that it's an off-season program. These things are going to help prevent and or speed up early season soreness so that you experience it for maybe a week or maybe just a couple of days and then you can get through that period. Too many athletes that I've talked to have early season soreness and it kind of worries them a little bit so then they start holding back a little bit during their training or perhaps they sit out or miss practices in fear of having arm injuries. Where your soreness is is also a key factor in knowing what's going on? Is it in your elbow or your UCL? Is it at the top of your bicep? Is it rotator cuff? Is it deltoid? Is it tricep? Is it rear deltoid? All these things, knowing where the uncomfortable pain is or some of the soreness is, is going to be play a huge factor in knowing what's going on. If you are a little bit too young or you don't have anybody on staff or your coaches might not know or your parents aren't able to help, it's important that you seek some professional help, whether it be from an athletic therapist or maybe even a massage therapist or perhaps from a chiropractor, somebody who's going to know anatomy in the body quite well. After you've talked to them, they're going to be able to direct you in the right direction as to what are the next logical steps to be taking. Maybe it's just some simple recovery. Maybe it's just some simple stretching after practices every day. Maybe it's more running, increasing blood flow. Maybe it's going to be throwing just a little bit less, or maybe it's a mechanical thing. A lot of the thing, a lot of the time, it's just those initial muscle stimulants, and it's that initial training that causes your body to react in certain ways, and our body's gonna make our muscles feel sore in a way of protecting ourselves. So it's important to recognize what exactly is going on and not to over-exaggerate or to be a little bit tentative when you feel some of that some of that pressure or one of that some of that soreness or tightness you know part of baseball in general is going to be uncomfortable overhand athletes are it's a very unnatural motion and so we've got to realize that there's going to be some some soreness some stiffness and some some uh, uncomfortable feelings when we're doing especially as we get older and throwing a little bit more firmer it's important that that is just part of the game but at the same time we can take a lot of steps to make sure that it doesn't get any worse in terms of causing serious injuries that takes us away from the game for too long so again finding out where it is bothering you exactly what does it mean and then implementing strategies and steps to make sure that it can be very preventative a lot of throwing programs these days are implementing a lot of recovery 
very proper and effective warm-ups. And all those things are gonna to contribute towards some of that early soreness, early season soreness, maybe being limited or completely eliminated. If you're taking the initiative and really taking pride in doing a lot of your recovery works, whether it be with um, V-bands or resistance bands and our plyo bombs and our rebounders and all these types of things, whether it be wrist weights, those types of things are gonna help recover you faster and maybe prevent some late season soreness, which is what we definitely don't want. Early season soreness is quite normal. It happens with a lot of athletes, especially as they develop and are growing faster and throwing harder. They haven't quite taken the steps or maybe they aren't doing enough in-season training or maybe their body just hasn't adapted quick enough to reflect some of the changes that they're making with their mechanics and their throwing and their power outputs. So I advise you guys, if you're experiencing any early season soreness or any of your athletes are experiencing early season soreness, address the problem immediately. Have them stay in constant communication with you, letting them know how it feels at the beginning of every practice, at the end of every practice, so that you're kind of being able to track how things are feeling. If things are not progressing well, they might need a little bit of time off, but it might more or less just be a little bit more of a focus after practice or seeing a medical professional to make sure that things are all on the right track, that everything is okay. Too many people neglect it or think that they're not gonna get playing time, and then as a result, they end up on a serious injury list preventing them from playing even more than had they just talked to their coach or sought medical attention or done a little bit more on their own and held themselves accountable to some in-season training and some really quality recovery work. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns regarding today's rundown, please leave a comment down below. Thanks. Great stuff as always. Um, love, what, uh, love what they're doing over there and continually trying to come up with some of the newest items. And I know everybody's loving the addition of Dirk to the uh, influencer staff here at Youth Baseball Talk. I want to thank everybody for uh, for being on the show today. Of course, my good friend Kurt McNabb with uh, Dirtbag Baseball Nation as he brings you the Rope Trainer, the Rope Report each week, theropetrainer.com. Once again, thanks to Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, and John Smoltz. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. So make sure you check out the Rope Trainer today. Um, of course, uh, Phil and Dirk over at uh, precisionimpact.ca. Don't forget, uh, whenever you make your purchase over there in the coupon area, type in Youth Baseball Talk. You guys are going to want to be uh, be taking advantage of that additional 10%. Again, precisionimpact.ca. Of course, Justin Stone, Travis Curver with Elite Baseball. And again, um, if you don't have EliteBaseball.tv, you're doing yourself a disservice. So make sure you check it out today. Uh, to lineupmedia.fm, thank you for your continued support. All my friends over at Yo Radio, thanks for allowing us to be a part of your newest baseball channel. Make sure you download Yo Radio today from the App Store. It is free. Producers Brian Crock, Andrew Allen, thanks for all you do behind the scenes. Uh, don't forget to find us on social media at Podcast Baseball on Twitter, Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook, Youth Baseball Talk on Instagram, and of course, special thanks to number one son over here, my buddy Tyler Lewis. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being on today. I appreciate it, and looking forward to spending some time with you this summer before you head back to college. So, uh, thank you for doing this, buddy. I love you. Love you too, man. All right, that'll do it for Youth Baseball Talk today. I'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.